I'm uh, I'm out of tequila here at the uh, <laughs> residence. That is the current state of me uh, post round one. But I I thought you You're would on be fire right now. Look at you. You're on one. I I thought you would be gloating at this time. You can't gloat. Because I can't. You, you took a running back. The only reason I can gloat is that I took over half a running back to, in the first round which is what the Chiefs got because he's not even going to play full-time. And then under one and a half. So it was like I somewhat benefited from it, but obviously as a Chiefs fan and as a fan of the franchise and wanting the things to go well, like it it tilts me. And the other thing, your Niners, I had a prop on Kinlaw under 13 and a half thinking they go to you guys and and they screw me by going back one pick and then taking him. What do so, you say to that, George? So I want to – I think the best way – we can't just talk about our teams the whole time, in large part because I won't make it. That's the <laughs> thing. I will not make it. We should talk about both of them because they were noteworthy, though, at some point. Let's do this to start. The narrative going into the draft was super great offensive tackle, great wide receiver classes. Um, Joe Burrow's phenomenal. We're not sure about Tua versus Herbert. Who's, who's going to get taken higher? What was the most surprising thing, given those narratives going in and now looking back like you know five minutes after it's over? I think the most surprising thing was that the two teams that wanted quarterbacks got to stay at their own picks. Um, and <laughs> you know we talk, I think it was Chris that talked about this on the broadcast, but you really have to wonder what the Chargers were thinking because if they liked – Herbert over over Tua don't like they kind of like took a big gamble didn't they yes and 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 I don't like the process but man they you know they could have gotten stuck with a quarterback that clearly didn't I I think didn't like or were they so ambivalent to like who was taken like or you know did they not care enough like like, were they 50 50 because that's bad too like the whole thing made zero sense to me you know, I, I was trying to figure that out too. And here was, I think the, here's the thing that I came away with from this draft. I didn't think there were a lot of people that felt really good one way or another, aside from, aside from the Niners who were like, well, clearly these are the guys that we've got to get, you know, we're going to go up and get IU. But there, I, I think maybe it was, Hey, we're not so sure who the better player is. Mm-hmm. And if we're not sure, you know, it, it's, a good sign, honestly, that they would say, okay, well, let's stand pat and let players fall to us. I thought there were, I thought there were great examples of that. And unfortunately it, it wasn't that way for the Niners who it, it should have been because Judy and Lamb both fell to them. But to me, the, and, and I'll just get into it here. I thought the best picks um, were, were basically all receivers. I thought two at five was a tremendous pick. That's going to be a pick where, 10 years down the road, we look back and we go, I can't, I can't fucking believe these, <laughs> these three teams took these players. And maybe they're great players, but like Tua at the quarterback position can just be so much more valuable. And then the other ones were Judy to the Broncos at 15, Lamb to the Cowboys at 17, and then Rager to the Eagles at 21. I would not be surprised if when the playoffs roll around, God willing they do next year, we look back and we go, wow. Those were some pretty shrewd picks by by the uh, by the Cowboys and, and the Eagles because it has really elevated their team. 
Well, I tweeted this out and, you know, obviously, um, you know, I don't know how much this has to do with, you know, McCarthy's rebirth or whatever, but his best years as an offensive play caller was when he had force multipliers at wide receiver, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Cobb in the slot replaced Donald Driver. Jennings was replaced by Jordy, right? And it was James Jones. And, you know, year after year after year, Devontae Adams, right, was sort of the last guy. He was their third receiver the last time Rodgers won the MVP, right? And, And now when you look at, you know, obviously Prescott isn't as talented as Rodgers, but when you look at that team, you're thinking to yourself, okay, this makes a ton of sense, right? And and not, not only that, they have Zeke, who if they just give him like a normal, like a Damian Williams number of touches, that's going to be a really good offense. A very good offense, right? I, I, I mean, mean, best in the NFC East for, for sure. And, and and even though, you know, obviously the Eagles did a really good thing with getting Ragger, a guy that we talked about uh, on the, you know, we drafted him pretty high, but he ended up going in the first round, uh, you know, as far as um, – you know, uh, on the uh, mock draft earlier today, but like, you know, he, again, that that's a, that's going to be a good division. And so then you, you look back to pick two and you think to yourself, okay, Washington, they get better by taking a defensive end. And I can, you can make a huge argument that both Dallas and Philadelphia got, got better than they did. Right. And, and but, you know, 20 picks later, uh, which really tells you sort of like how maybe Washington really screwed up that pick at number two. Can I tell you the – so now maybe we should talk about the worst picks. And l- let me tell you the litmus test for, oops, I fucked up. You make a pick, and the first thing everyone says is, oh, you know who's just really excited? The team picking now. And that's exactly what happened. The Niners picked Javon Kinlaw, and all of a sudden everyone goes, you know who's ecstatic right now? the Denver Broncos and, and, you know, who's ecstatic right now, the Dallas Cowboys and so on and so forth. And to me, that is, is what we talk about all the time. It's like you make the move. Sometimes it's best to put yourself in the shoes of your opponent and go, what do they least want me to do? And I can yeah, <laughs> trust perfect, me. I, perfectly said, right. The moment that you go for a fourth down or you, you don't go for a fourth down, the other team exhales, the moment you take a player in front of them and, and the draft analyst is saying, wow, Philadelphia is really looking pretty here, right? Yep. <laughs> it's, it's, exactly, it's exactly how you said. Um, but I, I think, I mean, if you, what, what would you, because I actually don't think the 49ers and the Chiefs made the worst draft picks tonight. I, okay. I think there's a, a clear leader in the clubhouse right now. Okay. Um, let me see if I can guess the one that, so I, there are a couple that, that come to mind. Um, and I'm going to go in reverse order, like, sort of my my bottom five here so uh certainly in the bottom five is jordan brooks to the seahawks which is just hilarious (laughs) um the chargers trading up uh for kenneth murray hilarious um the dolphins needing to get someone that can be decent at tackle and taking austin jackson instead of josh jones hilarious um you know, I'm not even going to put Kinlaw on this because uh, there is there is Justin Herbert at six for the Chargers that I think was a disaster. Yep. And then the worst one, and I think I've got this right, is Derek Brown at seven of the Panthers. You missed it. No, the, the worst pick in the draft is the Green Bay Packers trading up for Jordan Love. Oh, 
I've got a theory though. No, no, that no, is absolutely on. the worst. I, I, I know your theory, but Jordan Love is not a first round caliber oh. NFL quarterback. And the other thing is, you think Favre was vindictive and he made <laughs> Rodgers sit on the bench for three? Rodgers is way. Rodgers hates his own family. Like, do you think he's letting this guy get no. a rep in, I, in practice? There's no way. Okay, Jordan Love on his on the face of it is not worth a first round pick and is not worth trading up for. Yeah. But Rodgers is just that crazy, and you've got to get the most out of him. And if this is the only way, the only way to get the most out of him is to actually do the thing that he was for someone else, right? Yeah, yeah. he was a late first round pick. He comes in, he sits under Brett Favre, and then he takes over. And you literally make that guy who's and Chris said this, and I thought it was great. Chris was the smartest guy I've, I've ever talked to, you know, in football. He comes in, he just knows so much. Guys that smart, you just can't motivate in the normal way. And to me, I, I know this is crazy. I legitimately think this was a, we are going to motivate Aaron Rodgers in the okay. only way we know how. And if I mean, so, then it's worth it because Aaron Rodgers can actually take his game from 15th to, to third. We've seen that. Jordan yeah. Love, no hope. I mean, the issue is, is that, you know, you think about, and I know he was picked a little later than Rodgers was, but the, the, the Packers traded up for him. And, like, they didn't even trade up for Rodgers. They sat there and waited for him to, and I watched the documentary. The, they sat there and waited for him to back up all the way uh, until 24 to go. And it's like, uh, I don't know. I'm My thing is, Herbert, I, I, I think Herbert and Love are in the same cluster. So, absolutely, using the sixth pick on Herbert is terrible, but just the act of trading up when there you're not even going to realize the increased variance, right? Unless somehow that motivation makes Rogers brilliant. But the, we, the same thing we talked about with McCarthy, I think adding a wide receiver who is a, is a good player is going to do way more for Rogers than motivating him. Uh, to be, de- to be determined though, I, you know, so, okay, let's go back and, and take a look at this pick. So they are, they are at 30. They trade up to uh, 26, right, with the Dolphins. So they could have stayed back and waited. And, man, I mean, Denzel Mims, LaVishka Chenault, Michael Pittman Jr. still on the board, uh, Josh Jones. So the, the Josh Jones is still there. Grant Delpit still there. Um Xavier McKinney still there. Ah, man. I mean, Christian Fulton still there. Um, I mean, there, there are plenty like the, honestly, the hometown Bengals are going to get a really good player tomorrow. Well, let's talk about that real quick. Okay. You're at 33. If you told me going into this, you can get Joe Burrow and then you can have your pick of, and I'll just throw a few out here. Christian Fulton, Josh Jones, LaVishka Chenault, and Michael Pittman Jr., uh, you're, you're doing cartwheels. Now, yeah. they'll probably go out and pick, uh, I don't know, Yeter Gross Matos or something like that. Well, they had Jalen Johnson as well as on the board. Um, DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're in a good – like, the Bengals are not that far away. The um, – Here's an interesting thing, a couple things. No, no 
uh, veteran player was traded tonight. No, Chris Jones, yep. Yannick Ngakwe, uh, other players that sort of are on the – do you think that the intermediate time, so now until when the draft is tomorrow, I, do you think that that's when that happens? Because a, a few of the teams have sort of shook out what they're going for, and some of those players are probably worth a second-round pick after you factor in the contract. Do you think that that happens? I do, and here's why. There are players now, and this was the story really of the draft. There are not that many you – know, there's a lot of jumbling uh, amongst how teams feel about these players uh, within position and how, um, you know, honestly, how we feel about them as well. And so teams are going to go, okay, now things are thinned out a little bit, but I don't want to be stuck with the third round option. So I want to jump into the second round and grab that guy. And, you know, I think of um, T. Higgins, who we talked about this, this prop, and we should talk about some of these props. Uh, Henry Ruggs, first overall wide receiver at plus 600. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, it saved my night, frankly. Uh, uh, Derek Brown um, was another one. Isaiah Simmons, over six and a half. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, first running back taken, plus well, 500. Yeah, I mean, wh- you know, and th- let's go back. So when we did our, our draft kings, I mean, obviously both of us got the first two picks right. Um, the offensive lineman that went off the board first was interesting, right? I mean, that one, I think most people who, you know, were, were betting chalk either had Worfs or Wills and ended up being Thomas, who we had written about as the best offensive lineman prior to the combine, you know, good on the the New York Giants for sort of leaning on that information. Um, but that one was kind of an interesting one. If you bet Thomas, congratulations, because that was, that was a big plus price um, pop there for you. I – Obviously, we talked about on the podcast today, we talked about Jordan Love over, um, which was one, one, one that did not work out was Alabama over players. Actually, they missed it by two players. So uh, both Diggs and Xavier McKinney last until uh, round two. Okay. Um, so there's some unheralded picks. And here's the thing that I think is really interesting about the first round. You always the player comes off the board, and we immediately jump to okay. If he hits like 90th percentile, <laughs> was this a good pick? You know, and it, I thought a good example of that. Excuse me, a really good example of that was um, when Derek Brown comes off, and you know, Chris goes, "Well, what if he's Fletcher Cox?" So okay, well, what if every player is yeah. awesome? You know, and and that's the thing that is important to remember is not a lot of these players are going to be that awesome. The picks that are not super juicy one way or the other that maybe you're flying under the radar in your mind that later down the road, I'm like, wow, that was a really savvy pick. Oh yeah. I mean, that's obviously, I, I think the Simmons to Arizona makes a lot of sense. Um, they were not a team that I thought of in that spot, even when doing the mocks and everything, but it, it may, I, you know, tweeted out, you know, the, the, where they were attacked last year. And it is a spot where, you know, he is a very, you know, when you have Buddha Baker, you have him, uh, you have some, uh, I think, pretty you know flexible pieces on that defense. That's a good thing. Uh, so I like that pick um, a lot. Um, when I look at when I look at some of these, I mean, AJ Terrell to the Falcons, I like. Um, you know, he didn't. You know, he had some bad, you know, bad games. But I think as a, as far as uh, you know, being able to play a position the Falcons really need, that's a good pick. Um, let me, I'm just, 
honestly, I, I like the Ayuk pick from for San Francisco. I don't necessarily like the trade up, but I think that's an underrated selection of a player. I think Jefferson to Minnesota is a very good one as well. So, you know, like you said, a lot of wide receivers that we're going to like, a lot of defensive backs, but those are ones uh, that, you know, I think stand out to me. Yeah, there, I really it was uh, – the Giants did not make a flashy pick, and I sort of thought they would – I kept kind of thinking they would go Becton. Um, and Andrew Thomas is not – like, uh, New York is not going to be super excited about it. And, yeah, they should have tried to trade back. I just don't think anyone really wanted to trade up. Like, I, that, that seems to me to be pretty apparent. Yeah. And so to be able to stay composed and take um, a guy that, look, he might not be Tyron Smith or David Bakhtiari, but that's not what you need. You just need someone that's not a disaster at the offensive tackle position. Like that is worth paying for. And uh, sure, I would have preferred they take a wide receiver and whatever, but um, they didn't mess it up. And, and you know, that, that's, that's important. Um, I got to say this too. Uh, so... Henry Ruggs, we talked a lot about, look, we, our projection system loves him. Athleticism, awesome. He, he produced at a high level, even though it wasn't a, a large amount of quantity. I am nervous. I am nervous about him in Oakland. Sh- should I be this nervous? Is it just me <laughs> being pessimistic? I'm very nervous. Um, I don't think... I don't think so. I mean, you got to be more nervous about the fact that Derek Carr does not seem particularly thrilled about throwing the ball downfield, right? And that he might end up being more of a, uh, you know, more of a runoff guy, more of a Sammy Watkins type player than an actual difference maker. That's really what you got to be worried about. But no, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't foresee him having issues there. It, it'll be interesting to see. I, I honestly thought that they were going to take a stab at Jordan Love at 19, but we talked about this you know, earlier today. Gruden doesn't like to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, Here's the thing that I'm encouraged by, and this is what I loved about, um, about Ruggs. Was, and Mike mentioned this. He didn't have a ton. You know, he's great speed, but he's not a guy that was continually like, winning deep rounds. What he did do was when he touched the ball, he was always a threat to take at the distance. And so maybe I shouldn't be as nervous because really the way that Gruden will uh, employ him is to take advantage of what he can do after he catches the five-yard throw from Derek Carr, uh, which is really the max on what he can actually put forth. Um, and that gives you the ability then to, you know, to take, take the ball down. You, I don't know if you can tell. I'm a little, a little hot right now. Yeah, I mean – at least, at least the 49ers got a player in Ayuk who I think will be pretty damn good. Uh, okay. that, that's the but, and frankly, Clyde Edwards Alaire will be great. Um, but they're just overpaid for him. Here's a question that I have. Um, Wait. the offensive linemen, they were seven that were taken, yeah. right? Six tackles, uh, an interior player. It ended up going over the total, right? And, and yeah. over five and a half was minus 600 last time I saw it even minus over six and a half was minus like one fifty ish. Um, and, and that took the over for offensive players prop sailed over uh 15 and a half. Um, do you think, do you think that that, do you think that offensive performance will go up significantly as a result of this? Because I do think, you know, we've, we've charted this offensive line play has gone down 
since the 2011 uh, hmm. CBA, uh, you know, they will not have practices until at best July this year. But um, do you think that like long-term, this is a good thing for offensive football if, you know, hopefully you know, half of these players work out and you have some bookends for, you know, the next decade? That's a really, a really sound way to, to think about this and encouraging um, the combination of t- a better tackle play, better offensive line play and better receiver play would do a world of good. It may even help a guy like Justin Herbert play for a couple seasons before uh, the inaccuracy. I should, we should not be as, as harsh um, towards Herbert. I hope he succeeds. I just think it was a mass uh, overpayment there. Um, I mean, it, but- it is what it is. I mean, he, he'll, he'll be a player who will be under a lot of scrutiny. Um, but it's, but- it's an odd pick because he's going to a Chargers team where I don't think he's going to beat out Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> In, the- in a situation where they want to win football games. And, and Anthony Lynn doesn't have – I know he had a contract extension, but, you know, it's a fickle business. If they go 5-11 and 11 again, uh, it's not going to be pretty, I, I think, well, for here's his the other job thing, status. Is he doesn't seem like a guy who accepts – they built their roster to win now, as you said. And Anthony Lynn doesn't seem like the guy who's like, you know what, let's just – let's like, you know, slog through with, with Justin Herbert who – um, we mentioned this this stat. You know, the most, the highest rate of uncatchable throws to open receivers between five and twenty yards downfield last season. So that will not be tolerated. And the the tricky thing is that they have other options. You mentioned Terod Taylor. There's Cam Newton. There's Jameis Winston. And Justin Herbert is going to have to compete with Joe Burrow, and maybe not Tua. Maybe Tua sits. So if Burrow's over there lighting it up and Herbert is not, that's not going to go well. But I, I like your point of saying, hey, the, the offense, in, you know, offense is obviously getting better, and this draft is a good sign uh, that it will continue going that way. Um, let, let me talk – I need to vent a little bit um, about what, what the Niners did. So I actually really like Javon Kinlaw. Um, I like to trade back from 13 to 14. Um, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Rager, all on the board. So let's say you just go, you know what? We love Javon Kinlaw, but the value just isn't there. I'm going to take one of those receivers, any of them. Take your pick. Yeah, he's probably not there at 31. Sure. And they end up trading up anyway, so maybe he's not there at 25. But how big of a difference is it between him and DT number two? Like, or I mean, three, I guess. Derek Brown is number one. That's the part that I just can't square and, and frustrates me. Well, and, and there was who, I, uh, it's late. Who, the third, I mean, there was only two taken in the first round. Yeah. Right. It's uh, uh, Blacklock. Yeah. Blacklock. But there was also, I mean, the, it's not Davidson. that big. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's not that big. Um, and it, it shows, right? Like, it shows where, you're in a position there where, yeah, let's say you like Kinlaw the best, but you you're you might get an opportunity to pick the second that you're the third best guy, let's say in round two. Mm-hmm. Um, not anymore, I don't think. With the well, no, it, it'll be fine. But the at the time, but at wide receiver, you're all the way down to wide receiver six at the point of time where you take the guy, right? Whereas you could have had wide receiver two on the board. Uh, it, it was just, I think, a classic misunderstanding of, you know, sort of like the flatness of the curve 
and the posi- obviously positional value, which is your biggest gripe and, and, and a fair one. Um, I, I just think that that, that was, you know, where, where they aired and granted they did some redeemable things. They traded back, although it was among all the trades that didn't involve a quarterback, it was the weakest trade where the yep. winner won. They were at 54%. The other ones are about 60. Um, they got some value, but I, I don't think they, they could have really maximized that trade effort by getting lamb or Judy. And that would have, that would have been sensational. Speaking of a trade uh, that I thought was really savvy the, the Patriots just keep doing smart things, right? They move back uh, out of the first round, and there are a ton of players, a ton of players that are going to slip, and they're going to end up with plenty of good players to choose from. They're going to end up with an extra pick, obviously. I thought that was a super savvy move. I really liked what the Vikings did. Um, Justin Jefferson at 22, um, they trade back with the 49ers and then get Jeff Gladney at 31. Like, if, here's the funny thing. So the, the Vikings picked at 22 and 31 and got two players that, look, if the Niners had taken them at 13 and 31, I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> Pretty happy about that. Like, I'll take Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney any day. Um, so I, I thought that was a really good move by them. I loved what the Ravens did, just standing pat. Um, and then uh, another one that was mystifying to me was what the Saints did. Do you have any idea – what that was all about? Well, that's going to be another one. Whereas, like, when's the next interior lineman going? Maybe Pick 40, maybe, 45. Maybe 33, given what we've seen. Like, they could move up in the second round and get the – could have gotten the best. You know, like, that's the that's the issue. Uh, you know, they're not a team with a ton of needs, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, you know, that particular pick. And I agree with you. The Minnesota Vikings, you know, they – well, let's put it this way. The bar was high. I mean, they needed to have an amazing day. And, um, you know, and, and part of what we talked about earlier, uh, you know, is sometimes do, doing well involves people in front of you doing dumb things. Yep. Uh, and, and so Minnesota, you know, they, they took Jefferson. That was great. You know, it was because there was a run on wide receivers, five picks too late. Right. And so they end up bumping into Justin Jefferson at 22. That's going to be a pretty good player. I mean, the types of throws Kirk Cousins excels in are those like, you know, uh, yeah. flag routes out of the slot, right? Or they're the, you know, the crossers off of play action that he ran so well. You're like, that's going to be a good player for Minnesota. Gladney as well, and he's got that inside-outside. But really the best part about the Gladney uh, trade is that they fleece the Niners, right, to move back. Uh, and, then the, and then the best thing that happened to Minnesota all night was the Jordan Love draft pick by the, by the Green Bay Packers. That's the best thing? I think so, yeah. I, I, I think – I'm really excited to see how this plays out. I, 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 my <laughs> thing is, is is the reason Aaron Rodgers has struggled in the last five years relative to where he was, which is a first ballot Hall of Famer, still probably is, but a Hall – you know, MVP. The reason that Aaron Rodgers has struggled over the past half a decade is not because he's got something wrong mentally – it's not because he couldn't get along with his coach and his coach was getting massages when he shouldn't have been. It's not none of this stuff. It's the fact that he didn't have the weapons to throw to. Like Jordy tore his ACL in 2015 yeah. and he struggled. And, you know, Randall Cobb loses his fastball and then leaves. Uh, James Jones left, came back slow. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams is his only NFL caliber wide receiver on the team. And, sure, you can motivate him with Jordan Love, and it's going to be hilarious when Jordan Love takes over and they have no one to throw to. But 
but right now, like I, I don't buy the the motivational thing. Yeah, that's me trying to figure out how that makes any sense. Uh, the Packers' next pick is at sixty-two, so you know, good luck finding one of the the few receivers that are left. And there are some good ones: Pittman, Chenault, um, Higgins is still there. Uh, you know, so there there there's some playmakers still left to be had. But they probably won't get them. Denzel Mims uh, was another one. Um, should we should we do this? Should we just play uh, a little three up, three down, three favorite uh, teams that did the most for themselves and teams that hurt themselves the most? I, I like that. And then let's let's make a let's make uh, three well three predictions for tomorrow. Let's do it. Um, all right, you want to do worst worst ones or or best I'll do ones yeah. First? Let's be negative. I'll do I'll do the three worst. Okay. Um, I think the three worst moves in the draft today or yesterday, whenever, um, I think taking Justin Herbert at six, uh, chargers, um, I, you know, I would say Washington, but I don't know what the trade down structure is with the pandemic and everything. So I'm going to, I'm going to give them a, a little bit of a pass. Um, Hmm. I mean, you've, you've trashed Jordan Love here, so. I think, yeah, obviously Green Bay and Jordan Love is another one. Uh, and then Jordan Brooks for Seattle. I'm, I'm going to – my thing is, is, yes, the Chiefs drafted a running back at 32, but the Seahawks drafted a, an, an off-the-ball linebacker to continue to play 4-3 base 70% I mean, of the time that, that I've never heard of before, and so that's a really bad pick. The Niners, in all honesty, the Niners' best pick was the Seahawks taking a, <laughs> Jordan another Brooks. linebacker. Well, I like the way you think. I, I like I like looking at the like the Vikings. The Vikings crushed because Green Bay picked Jordan Love. The Bears did better by picking no one. Right, and 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 Akuda's fine, but the Lions stink. So you know. So really, I should be kind of excited because the Seahawks, the Niners made a great pick at twenty-seven with the Seahawks selecting a run-stuffing linebacker. And the Rams are hopeless because they won't have a first-round pick for like the next ten years. And the Cardinals are telling you guys objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. I think. True. Did you see Cliff Kingsbury setup? Dude, I. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, the guy. The guy. Is it a little tone deaf though? Yeah, he's just. He's just got a nice crib. Okay, yeah. uh, my three worst. Uh, the Panthers at seven taking Derek Brown um, and the reasoning that they had for it, which um, the Panthers liked cornerback Isaiah Simmons a lot at seven, and he was the best pure athlete on the board, but they felt he was a better fit for a veteran team because of his ability to play so many positions, so they went with defensive tackle Derek Brown. <laughs> it's a Christian Wilkins pick all over again. What? Um uh, let's see. Number two um, is the Chargers as a whole. So Justin Herbert combined with trading up um, to get Kenneth Murray. Uh, like what? Um, that made absolutely no when sense. You could have had Isaiah Simmons like right there. You, you, well, you could have had Isaiah Simmons, but you also could have just stood. Uh, like Patrick Queen is a better linebacker than Kenneth Murray. So um, that was very confusing to me. I only have one left. And um, so I I have to give it to the Chiefs, and and here's why. This will not hurt them next year. It may never hurt them, but it it decreases their chances of being bulletproof, and they should be bulletproof. If you have Patrick Mahomes, you have a vast margin for error. Just don't, don't tempt the devil. 
Why would you do this? Why would you use a first round pick on a running back when all you've got to do is just keep picking the valuable players at positions that keep Patrick Mahomes alive and allow him to do the things that he does? That to me, it's not as glaring because it's the Chiefs, but man, it could potentially be, you know, a part of the puzzle when it ultimately unravels if it ever does and and i think the biggest issue is and this so they can curb a lot of this if they trade chris jones tomorrow if you keep chris jones and keep trying to run it back no cap space no they only have four draft picks left no draft picks no cap space i i agree with you that's the issue is two years down the line when your only two receivers on contract are McCole Hardman, who's unproven, and Tyreek Hill, who is an off-the-field issue, right? That's the that's the tough part and why a wide receiver at that spot would have been fine, a defensive back at that spot would have been fine. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, a lot hinges on whether they can trade Chris Jones tomorrow. That's interesting. That's a really glass-half-full way to look at it. Um, all right, your three up, three best uh, teams that help themselves the most. Uh, well, I, I really think that getting Tua at five without having to trade, it was a terrific move. Um, and, and I, and I think I might just lump this all in with the, the, the hard part is lumping the dolphins in general is I really like their trade back as well. And we all thought they were taking Deandre Swift. Um, (laughs) but, but in fact, Austin Jackson was an overdraft a hundred percent. Uh, with Josh Jones on the board, and even I mean, frankly, I thought Isaiah Wilson's a better prospect than jo- than than uh, Jackson. So, um, but so I'll, I will keep it to you know just that pick for them. Um, I like I did, the the Vikings as a whole did terrific. I think they right. deserve number two for me, uh, and then obviously Ceedee Lamb uh, of the of the Dallas Cowboys. I think really demonstrating at least in this instance that they get uh, and that they really understand uh, to do to enhance the strength for them so the dolphins are the the first one that that comes to mind but i can't give it to them because they then just butchered um an opportunity to have the best draft and i did a ton of mock drafts with them and had a bunch that i loved and there were so many players that they could have taken the the idea of going to uh josh jones um and then what did they have they had 26 and they traded down to 30 I mean, and they could have, you know, they had so many options there. There were plenty of receivers on the board. Um, they could have stayed at 26, um, you know, and, and taken one of those receivers there or traded down and gotten them. So they butchered that. So for that, they miss out. Um, the number one for me is Dallas. Dallas is a team that got a player that a really bad team should be getting. Right. They yep, got a player 100%. that they got a player that this is why CeeDee Lamb, if five years from now we go, hey, CeeDee Lamb was the best receiver in this class. Maybe that he was, but it's most likely that he ended up in the best situation. This situation is phenomenal. And this to me, I said this, I'm gonna look like a genius because I was like, hey, the Dallas Cowboys are gonna compete for a Super Bowl this year. I, I'm all about it right now. I, I think that was that was the draft played to perfection. And Jerry Jones, people were crapping on him all day about how he's not going to know what he's doing. He stood pat and he was locked and loaded, pulled the trigger and hit the bullseye from, from air force one. It looked like <laughs> it was a sweet size. Cool. <laughs> in my setup. Um, number two is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. They did the exact same thing 
with Jalen Rager, and that is a perfect fit. I would have been ecstatic with him way higher in the draft. And then number three, um, I don't want to copy you on the Vikings. They did a tremendous job, I thought. Um, So for just the sake of being different, uh, the one guy we haven't talked about is Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And the Bengals are now set up in a position, this will tie into my prediction for tomorrow, are set up in a position to dominate this draft. They have the 33rd overall pick. They could trade back, but I think they have the option between Christian Fulton, Josh Jones, Grant Delpit, and LaVishka Chenault, maybe Michael Pittman. They cannot lose. I would take Josh Jones. You get the number one overall player by a mile. You then get the number 14 overall player in Josh Jones. Just, I mean, that is a dream scenario. They'll probably fuck it up, but that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I I think yeah, I've said this before. I think I think the AFC North is going to be the best division in football next year. Uh, over the AFC, uh, the NFC West, you mean? I think the I think the AFC North. I because Baltimore is clearly going to be good. Pittsburgh gets Big Ben back. Cleveland, uh, I think, is a head coach away from being good, and they got a new head coach. And I think Cincinnati, if you look at where they're fortifying their team. And, and as you said, their opportunity to dominate the draft. Um, it's going to be a tougher division uh, than many people believe. I, I should mention. So I was looking at, at some of the people that, and that, by the way, there's a bunch of people that have stayed up and that's awesome. Yeah. We appreciate you guys on. Thank on you guys for hanging out. Um, someone mentioned the Broncos. And I should have loved the Broncos in there. Stood Pat didn't trade up. Jerry Judy falls in their lap. It's, it's called drafting the way you should. Um, uh, predictions. I, I, my first prediction is that the New England Patriots are going to get a first round caliber wide receiver with pick 37. Um, I just did. And if you guys want to go, uh, our colleague Timo Risky did a terrific job. Great idea for having you be able to start the mock yes. draft on the simulator at 33. Oh man, I'm not going to sleep tonight. I just did one simulation and the New England Patriots got LaVisca Chenault at 37, oh, which just shows you that well, Patriots mind fucking the entire NFL. Um, tweet that out. They are going to get, they are going to get a, a, a player uh, at that position. And uh, it just, just goes to show you exactly what you just said, which is doing the draft the way uh, that, that folks intended it. Um, Here's another prediction that I have, and I think it, it's it's sort of like micro, but I think Grant Delpit is selected ahead of uh, Xavier McKinney. I, I I would guess so. I'm I just drafted Grant Delpit uh, for the Patriots at thirty-seven. Exactly. Yeah, and um, my last one is I think that there will be multiple veteran players traded tomorrow. Okay, so Chris Jones, Chris Jones, and Yannick Ngakwe. What do you think Ngakwe ends up getting? And Trent Williams. They're, I mean, they're all they're, so Trent Williams is another one who I think is is very is a more than fifty percent to be traded. What so. do you think? What do you think Ngakwe nets you? <sighs> well, I'm trying to think of of like. I think Tennessee is a team that could trade for Ngakwe, even though they're in the same division. I don't think that they see. Uh, you know, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars as a threat. So that would be what pick 61. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the issue with Jones and the issue with Ngakwe is the fact that they cost money um, in addition to the draft capital. And, and 
I think unlike Frank Clark last year, and I think unlike uh, DeForest Buckner this year, I, I don't know if there's a huge appetite for teams to not only give up capital, but also pay uh, a ton when clearly the worm has turned. I mean, we only saw two defensive tackles tonight. We only saw what, two edge players tonight. Yeah, and no safeties. And no safeties. So it, it, it weirdly, so interestingly, we talked about this on the forecast today. Obviously, the, the receivers came off the board later than we thought, but the mm-hmm. number of receivers went over the total. The n- defensive backs was six, right? Even though there were no safeties, so six corners. Right, right. Like there were some things that worked out the way that we thought that they should, you know, when we, when we clearly said they might not, right? They, they d- certainly did with uh, corners and wide receivers being taken, at the, especially from like pick 10 on uh, at the rate that they were taken. All right. Uh, so my first one is that the Bengals have a chance to just dominate the draft. They have put themselves in a fantastic position. Um, I think they end up with Josh Jones and we're just like, I can't believe this happened. Um, the second one that I have is uh, I, I could see another kind of run on both the tackle and receiver position um, in the second round, honestly, because I'm not sure people are ready to they're going to get a little worried that those groups are going to get dried up um and so i look at that that class of receivers like you know uh pitman higgins i put chenault obviously in there um and denzel mims i'd be very curious where they go and i'm looking here the giants sit at 36 and if you had said hey the giants could maybe walk away with a receiver like lavishka chenault and an offensive tackle and andrew thomas I would have not expected that, but that would be a huge, a huge win for the Giants. Um, and then the last one I'll say is, look, the Cowboys, we just talked about them. Um, you know, they have a pick here at 51, and they have some opportunities to then pick a player of great value in the secondary. I think there are some left over. I look at a guy like Bryce Hall is still there, really like Bryce Hall. Um, some some safeties that are there. Obviously, you mentioned Delpit and McKinney, but Ashton Davis is still there, Antoine Whitfield Jr. Um, so the Cowboys have a real chance to you know to make some moves here. Um, and so I, I think all those teams have proven that they're going to do smart things and are set up to capitalize on it in the second and third round. Which is honestly, first round matters a ton, but the second and third round you can you still get starters. It matters a lot. It's where you know, doing your homework matters, which is why you should come hang out with us tomorrow because we're going to be uh, doing the same thing we did today. Um, we'll be on starting at six. Go, go check out it, some of you. There's a few of you listening. Go to pff.com. Check out the mock draft simulator. Do a couple before you go to bed. It is a lot of fun. Um, and you can then dream sweetly about how your team has dominated the draft. <laughs> uh, it's a great. Uh, Timo has just, you know, crushed it with this thing. So, Shout out to me. Stayed up all night in Germany. Yeah, he's he's a gem. So uh, go ahead, uh, use the the great tool we've all built. Uh, but you know, obviously, throw Timo a shout out as he's done a ton of the work uh, on the back end, and, and also just to make it look nice, um, it's awesome, and and it's really helped prepare us for this. Um, and the cool thing, to your point, we've only had we're only one seventh of the way done. This is, this is not even that. Point. I mean, compensatory picks. We're um, less than one seventh of the way done. How funny was it that we had like a Zoom glitch technology? We rehearsed like 15 times and managed to like totally poop ourselves. And the NFL, as Peter King predicted, that was smooth. Well, I, you know, they did it. And, and honestly, you know, 
other than it was really strange, but apparently they they talked about like a parent suicide on the we didn't talk about that on ESPN, which is good I, or on our on our end. Um, but I think you know that it did look good, you know, from from their perspective. Although I I would consider our content terrific and Zoom glitches aside, uh, really well done. Uh, really good credit to you. Um, so you know it. it, it I, Thank you. for people for people who really wanted the the down you know the nitty-gritty of everything i think we provided you know first night uh, a really good value to the people and uh, we keep it simple enough that hey we're not intimidating come hang out it'll be fun um we got a lot of good feedback on the content so that was good to hear uh draft 2020 it's the promo code you need 30 percent off but the mock draft simulator is free baby uh, you free, do need free, free. you do need a draft guide though. Second and third rounds, you've got to have it. Fr- Fred texted me. Fred Gadelli was like, "Hey man, I have a draft guide. It's the only way I could watch this damn thing." Um, is with the PFF draft guide. So uh, he doesn't lie. Frank Fred Fred had a great quote on one of the documentaries. I said he he and and it came ahead tonight. He said Jimmy Johnson and uh, uh, Jerry Jones turned it in from a boring meeting to a live poker show that's what we saw tonight (laughs) that's what we saw tonight the cowboys man good job uh thank you guys for hanging out with us uh get some sleep tonight and we'll see you all tomorrow peace out Mm -hmm.